Well, you can be seated. I have a message for you about how we, you and I, we could be led by the Spirit of God. How we could be led by the Spirit of God. And I'm going to teach you on how to train your human spirit. And, uh, but I first want to uh, get your focus on, on some uh, clarity about your personal human makeup. Uh, here's my assumption that you believe, like I do, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And then he calls us the crown and glory of his creation. So biblically, he saved the best for last, and he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. And that's the spiritual reality of, of uh, Adam coming from dust, but then also having this essence of God himself, and um, we're made in his image. It says in verse 27 and 28 of Genesis 1, I'm, I'm just reminding you the biblical history. He said uh, in Genesis 1, 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Say that with me. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I love when I find a pocket of scripture that's downloads in a succinct way the bottom line. I'm a male and this is why I need bullet points, you know. I tell my staff, just uh, simplify it. I've got, uh, they'll, they'll amass all kinds of information and they'll go through the minutiae and they'll render it to its essential um, form so I can make a yes or no decision, you know. And this helps me to know that God made me in his image and he made me to be um, a creative being and to be fruitful. Adam named the animals, for example. So he had this 3.3 pound brain and, you know, I think before the fall of man, it was probably working and operating at 100%. Uh, they're saying now that, that we're not utilizing our brains um, as efficiently as we could. I mean, I, I discovered that in junior high, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, that we can be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And, you know, yet in Proverbs 3, it admonishes to us to uh, trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not under our own understanding. Now, that doesn't say be anti-intellectual or dumb everything down. It just means that though the brain and perceptions of the mind and the senses are really brilliant, they're not the final say. And in fact, I want to tell you, both Ezekiel and Jeremiah prophesied and foretold that there would come a, a moment where God would take away the stony heart and give us a new heart, a heart that would be toward God. And, and, and there would be something called the new birth. When Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3 talked to Jesus about all these miracles, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born from above. And he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So we have to then see from what Jesus said, at, at, at that point, there's, he's acknowledging an outer man and an inner man. Now, Paul makes a distinction in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, that brings clarity about the inside of us. And he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Now look at this. 
And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, I'm a holistic guy. I'm living my human existence in light of this. And um, I'm, I'm, there are requirements. You, you must be born again is not a suggestion. It's, that's, that's essential entry level. That's what gets us to heaven and gets us out of hell and gets us on track with God. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus, who never sinned, therefore did not have uh, deadness in his spirit. Whereas Adam and Eve, he said, look, if you eat this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. And there's spiritual death. Um, there's spiritual death in all of humanity. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is why it's worthy of celebration that Jesus came to this earth and he said a, a virgin would conceive and she'd call his name Emmanuel and then he would be wonderful counselor. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, right? And it also says in the New Testament that he's the firstborn of many brethren. So when he died and he rose again and he paid the, paid the penalty for everyone's sins, any and all of us from then on who identify with him, confess him as Lord, rely on him for salvation, repent and humble ourselves before him, there's this invitation into ent in entry into the kingdom of God. Uh, before I continue on, I want to go to uh, the other verse that tells us that we're a three-part being, and that is the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4, verse 12 where he talks about the word of God as living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and that it pierces as far as the division, look at this, of soul and spirit. Now, those two Greek words, soul is suke and spirit is pneuma. Now, why would the writer of Hebrews use two different Greek words to define two aspects if it's one thing? Uh, I want to tell you, there's no, some people think there's no difference between soul and spirit. But really, when you're born again, spiritually, you come alive. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 17th verse, says, if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. Boom. There's this amazing thing that takes place. The old things passed away, and behold, look, pay attention, new things have come. I'm introducing presenting and reiterating some of the new things. What are the new things? He's given us a new spirit. When I was born again, look what it says in Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th verses. Paul the Apostle, who starts this chapter out, he says, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And he says that uh, there's such a grace on walking after the spirit, not after the flesh. So there's a difference there. And then he says, if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. Uh, but if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So pay attention to this. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, I have a personal relationship with my father, Abba, Father. I walked by a nursery shortly before 
the nation's closed up for COVID-19 in Jerusalem. And uh, somebody pointed out to me, listen to the kids calling their, their, their dad, Abba, 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 you could hear it. Abba, Father, it's a, it's a, it's a term. Um, I think it's Aramaic, but it's, it's in, enmeshed in that culture. And it's a term of endearment. It's, it, it's, it's so intimate. It's like you're my personal, very own Heavenly Father, right, at the new birth. And here's why we know that. Listen to that, what the spirit of adoption does. Gets us out of fear and apprehension. And His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, testifies with or bears witness to our spirit. Look at that. See, it's capital. The, the writer in the English translation here noticed, well, this is talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, testifying with our small s spirit. That's acknowledging the recreated human spirit. Say this with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. God doesn't want us as Christians to be led by our impulses or by our flesh. It says in Galatians 6, that the flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other. And we can't do the things we want to do. Like our flesh wants its gratifications, overeating, uh, fulfilling its uh, base nature and all those kinds of things. God wants us to crucify those things. And he wants us to sow to the spirit. You know, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap decay. It says in, in Galatians 6, or in corruption. We all know that. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap eternal life. So there's this dimension for us three-part beings that are following God in the human race and we're pressing on with him and we've turned to the Lord and submitted to him. We've, he's given us his message and he's convicted the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's the Holy Spirit who does that. that I attribute my salvation to the agency of the Holy Spirit and human agency like the guy that testified and witnessed to me, my grandmother who prayed for me, and I think others that were praying for me, that praying for our generation, I'm a product of that. I give Jesus all the praise. Jesus died and he's my savior. But also there's human agency that God insists uh, be part of things. So he's, he, for example, given us the, the responsibility to be a house of prayer for the nations. That's why we have prayer meetings and why we pray, why as individuals we pray. Um, uh, we, because we're communing with God. And this is, one time I said, God, wh- why prayer? And he goes, because that's how I designed it. Recently, a lady said to me, I know how to pray. I know the mechanics of prayer. I know the scriptures on prayer, but, but why do we pray? And I thought, that's how I had the same question. It's like, couldn't you do it another way? Well, yeah, but that's the way you did it, you know? Couldn't we do something other than walk by faith? I guess, but he wanted us to walk by faith. Faith pleases God and not sight. Like, we, I didn't need an open vision of Jesus, although I initially, because I was so carnal and natural, that's what I was hoping would happen. When I was laying in, in bed in the, the winter of 1972 as a teenager in my parents' tract home uh, there in Southern California at the base of Mount Baldy out there in, in what's called the Inland Empire between San Bernardino and Los Angeles in the bleak, cold winter night, which was about 58 degrees, um, I said, uh, God, I, I felt I was going to have some sort of kind of quasi-prayer with the God I really didn't know. I believed I had a certain aspiration. My parents did tell me there was a God, and I, was, I, I felt like, okay, there's a God, you know. I wasn't like pure atheistic, but I just didn't know him, you know. And, and I, then I, at that point, I felt like there was this opaque 
dark barrier looming over up in my ceiling. Not, not a physical thing, but almost tangible. I felt like it was impenetrable. I now realize that it was actually a barrier. It was my sin. And I said, God, if you're real, show me. And I, I believe the Holy Spirit was prompting me as dead as I was, and he was drawing me. No one comes to him unless he draws us. Thank God for his drawing power. Let's pray that our generation, that, that these multitudes, we just came to 8 billion population on the planet. Uh, around that time, there were only about 4 billion. And when I was born, there were only 3.3 billion. You know, when my Aunt Eileen was born in 1898, it was like 1.6 or something like that. It's, things are like, whoosh, and I want to see souls come into the kingdom, and I want to see a great harvest amongst the lost. We're privileged to be alive at this time. And the reason I'm teaching these things is because those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, or, or, or like what Jesus said in the Gospel of John in chapter 10, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. What he was indicating to us is, man, I'm going to get the, the lights are going to turn on in your world. Like what Ezekiel and, Je- and Jeremiah prophesied, you're going to get a new heart. And I'm going to take the stony heart out, and I'm going to put in. I'm going to. I'm going to. Re, I'm going to recreate you spiritually. I'm going to get you back to the pre-fall glory of what Adam and Eve forfeited. What it must have been. How beautiful it must have been for that period before the fall. They were naked and unashamed. They 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 walked with God in the cool of the day. They had enjoyed amazing connection with God, and everything he God said was very good. But then tragically, the human race. Initially, this amazing blunder that we all inherited and this amazing loss. And that's why I'm so appreciative of what Jesus has done. He is the most unique person in the universe. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He, I was in a, in a Greek class with a teacher. I raised my hand and I said, so he was talking about the deity of Jesus. And I said, but yet he was a son of man. So I said, so what you're saying is he's 100% man and 100% God. And he went backpedal. So, oh, I, I, I don't know if I could say that. And, I, and, I, and I, I think I can. He's the unique person of the universe. He's fully God and he's fully man. And he relates to us. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He took on human form, left the splendor of heaven, laid aside, uh, I believe, his deity rights and functioned with it is written and functioned with the Holy Spirit and showed us what could happen. He was the firstborn from the dead, firstborn of many brethren. And this new birth, a product of it, we who are dead in our trespasses and sins, we who are blind and deaf spiritually have been brought to life. And now we have the ability to hear from God because we've received a spirit of adoption and we're connected and accepted in the beloved. We are now new creatures in Christ. And I'm a new creature preacher. And I want to major on new creation realities. And I want to tell you the bulk and the best part of our testimony is not what we've come out of, but what we've been brought into. When we were kids, we had testimonies like dueling testimonies like, well, I sold this many drugs and I went this many days in jail and I got this much trouble. And well, what bad things did you do that you got delivered from? Well, I, there had to be a shift. But, you know, God, I don't want to talk so much about that. Let's brag on how good God is and what he's made out of my life. 
He, he, he doesn't throw away a broken reed or, a, or a, put out a smoldering wick. He revives us. He can turn a, 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 a sow's ear into a silk purse. He makes all things new, right? Like Addison was saying in one of the services, he'll can t- he can take your mess and make it your message. He can bring you through tests and make, give you a testimony out of it, you know? And how many of you are glad he can knock the dis and make you functional and help you not to be dysfunctional? And this is the stuff that Jesus is steering us toward. Paradise lost, but now he's restoring us. And, you know, I remember my, when I was a little kid, I asked my mom and dad for a transistor radio. My mom liked to play show tunes on the, radio, on the record player. She liked to play big band, and she liked to play on repeat, Harry Belafonte. There was, there was Caribbean music. And I kind of liked Harry Belafonte, I have to say. And actually now I've cultivated an appreciation for the other music. But man, when the youth music was emerging, you know, the rock and roll thing that was starting to form in my youth, I asked for a transistor radio so I could get a little bit of, a, you know, my own taste. So she gave, my mom and dad gave me one. It was wrapped. I opened it up. Uh, I pulled the antenna out, I turned it over, I took the little plastic uh, door off and I got a 9-volt battery, I made sure that the terminals were right, I put it in there and the, the wire and tucked it in, I put that backpack on it, and man, I just remember just delaying a little bit and then turning the on switch, which was also the volume, and it went, and then it went, and I thought, okay, what do I do now? And of course, I didn't read any of the instructions. I just was trying to wing it because I'm a man. But anyway, uh, there was a tuning knob on the side, and there was a little red bar with a, the, the window, and it had the numbers in, uh, you know, uh, on, on the little screen. So I remember the call letters of a station that was uh, more youthful. So I started to turn toward that. I went past some static. There was some news, some monotone guy that sounded like everything was bad in the world. I went past that real fast. I heard some of the big band stuff. Move, 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 move. And I didn't hear Harry Belafonte, but I heard, I heard some uh, you know, rock and roll. And I, 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 and I tuned into it. Ah. Everybody say, ah. And, and I, I'm telling you, as realistically as the electrical engineers created a a system whereby the sound waves generated by radio signals can be picked up by an antenna and then brought into through the technologies into little magnetic speakers and wires and it could it could, you could hear what you're what you're aspiring to hear in my case I wanted to hear some rock and roll and so god I'm telling you he says my sheep know my voice i believe that upon the new birth God activates where we were dead and dull of hearing and lost. He makes us alive in him. And, and we, we, become, we develop with him and we become familiar with him. And I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you four ways you and I, we, can train our human spirit. Say this with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now... My body, the, the language of my body are my senses. The language of my soul is my intellect. And the language of my spirit, that's God's word is spirit and life. And the Holy Spirit wants to prompt us and guide us. 
And he wants us as he wants to move the needle farther and farther toward maturity and farther away from immaturity. When we're little kids, we need training wheels on our bikes. When we're little kids, we need really pretty on 24-hour hands-on parenting. But, but the goal of parenting is to raise up kids so they develop their own muscle, they develop their own thinking, they develop their own judgment skills, and, they, and the goal of parenting, when done right, is to create healthy, you create a great nest and a great uh, 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 nest from which for the kids to soar in, in independence. Now, in our Christian, we're never independent from God, but he wants us to learn not to base everything so much just on our soulish uh, uh, limited thinking and experience or how we feel. Goosebumps are great. Uh, exhilaration is great. Um, but God wants us to be led by the Holy Spirit. Those who are led by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. This, and so, the, the, or the sons of God can and, and, and should be led by the Holy Spirit, right? Right? Now, there's an example in the Old Testament Judges chapter 6, when Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress, and the Midianites and the Amalekites were oppressing the people of Israel. They had lapsed into sin. They were vulnerable. They were not yielding to God, and they got in trouble. And then they repented. When they, they, they cried out to the Lord in repentance, the Amalekites had camels, so they'd come in, or they'd wait till their grains and their, their fruit and their their uh, stuff was maturing, and then they come in and steal it and take it away, and the people were starving. So Gideon was in a wine press, which is like a cave, and he was threshing wheat so that they wouldn't steal that, and he was, he was trying to get some food together. He was just doing something domestic and practical and smart. And then they, once there was this pivot of repentance, God visited them, and uh, he said, O valiant warrior, uh, I, I'm going to deliver uh, all. I'm going to deliver Israel by your by one man by you. And he was so reluctant, and he was so full of apprehension. He was so full of cynicism and skepticism. He falls back on, well, I'm the least in my father's house, and if God really loved us, why don't we have miracles? Where are the miracles that we've heard about? And you know, and but God was trying to work on this guy, by the way, who was an Old Testament guy that God was using that was solid in his time and in that context, but had not experienced the new birth. He was dead spiritually, but God yet was in his grace moving on him, the Holy Spirit upon him, guiding him and anointing him to be a warrior to fight, to work out and rectify the situation, right? And then later on, he's working through his unbelief and he he wants to put a fleece out. You remember the story about the fleece? Does anybody remember this Old Testament story? Well, it was, a, a, you know, like a sheep blanket made out of a, a, a sheepskin. And he, he said, if I put this out and then there's dew on it, then that's going to prove this and that. And if there's not, then this and that. And so he was looking to a natural verification to get direction. And the Lord allowed it because it was the Old Covenant. But that is no standard for the New Testament. You see no indications of that bumped up into New Testament behavior. From the time Jesus rose from the dead and ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, everything changed in terms of that kind of leadership. 
For example, even the prophet's ministry of the Old Testament and the prophet's ministry of the New Testament, they're different functions. There are prophets, and there are also false prophets, and we can be admonished to be warned by, about that. And if there are false prophets, then there could be true prophets. But nowhere in the New Testament are prophets in the New Testament to lead and to give directives for people to make decisions. In the Old Testament, that was the case, but not so in the New Testament. In the New Testament now, there's a, the, the mediator between God and man is Jesus, and though prophecy is a benefit, we are actually to judge it and test it. In fact, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then he says, don't despise prophecy or prophetic utterance. So he says, don't despise it. Examine everything, hold to what's good, and throw away what's evil. So, you know, Paul even said if... That if I or somebody else or an angel comes and tells you something other than what the word says, that's off. Don't listen to it, right? And in one scripture, it says, even Satan appears as an angel of light. This is not stated to haunt us or make us uh, superstitious or fearful. It's just to give us a healthy warning. Uh, those of us who are redeemed of the Lord who have this amazing promise that we can walk and be led by the Holy Spirit. Come on. Amen. We can discern. We have the ability to judge prophecy. Is it edifying? Is it ex exhortation? Is it comforting? Does it glorify Jesus? Does it line up with the word? Even personal prophecy. Listen, it can be abused in the church. Apparently, that happened in Thessalonica because he said, don't despise prophecy. So I've watched this as a Christian for 50 years, and I appreciate I've benefited from personal prophecy, and it's the ones that are of God really helped me to fight the good fight of faith. But on the other hand, uh, it's only for confirmation, not for revelation. And I've watched people enter into flattery, manipulation, uh, and con artistry with that. Uh, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And so even if, you know, you get a word from somebody and it's encouraging to you and it blesses you and it even affirms something you already know, write it down, but put it on the back burner and test it. Don't just go wing out and do, well, they prophesied to me that I'm supposed to do this and that, so I'm going to do it. Ah, ah, the man that makes haste with his feet errors. I, I am talking about being sensitive and being prompt to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but I also am trying to preach to you to help you to be deception-proof from manipulators, particularly flatterers. The tongue of the flatterer will be cut off. I'm watching in our time uh, people rise up and flatter others uh, and it's a seductive thing, and even prophecies involved with it. And I, I've been, uh, as a leader and a pastor, concerned about that because the Bible teaches that it, 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 his spirit bears witness with our spirit. Did I read that yet? Romans chapter 8, verse 16. This is what's, I think, the central point of this message today about developing our spirit. Look at what it says here. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we, we are the children of God. So uh, the, the King James says, bears witness. So there's this inward witness mechanism, like in that transistor radio, that has the ability to pick up radio waves. At the new birth, if we can use a, a natural parallel, when you're activated, when you and I were born again of the incorruptible seed of God's word, we became alive spiritually, 
and God cleared out our clogged up ears and opened up our blind eyes, and we are invited into this connection with God. And handily, he's given us his word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Take a deep breath and process what I'm teaching because this will really help you out. Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Last week, I'll tell you a story, and I'll, I'll make it ambiguous enough so that um, I'm respectful of the people's uh, privacy. But a business owner and his wife, the, the wife had a sense in their spirit that they should do a service for one of their neighbors and who had recently been widowed. So when she got this, she was feeling this, so she told it to her husband. She submitted it to him and said, hey, basically, I'm kind of sensing this. What do you get in your spirit? It's that kind of language. Oh, yeah, absolutely, let's do that. So they teamed up. They went over and they said, hey, we're going to provide this service for you. She was so moved by it, and the, the person said, I want you to know it's because God really cares about you. So they used it as a witness. Well, so they provided this service free of charge to them because they felt led by the Holy Spirit to do it. And it's okay if I say felt led by the Holy Spirit. I said felt, but it wasn't like, Ooh, I got these goosebumps, we should do this. It was like a sense in their spirit. It, can I say sense? It's because it, it, you run out of vernacular. What kind of words can we use? I said spirit bearing witness. And she, you know, and it, and it harmonized in the household, had a great outcome. First of all, it lifted and blessed and really genuinely encouraged and enriched the widow. And the Bible says to visit orphans and widows in their distress and be unstained by the world. So that's biblical. But then, uh, you know, it's also submit one to another and wives and husbands and all that. And so they were doing, flowing in that too. And then uh, a neighbor heard about it. And the neighbor said, I'm going to use their service. So they weren't doing that as a sort of a word-of-mouth marketeering racket. They were just doing it to bless the lady. But then, and then it became a thing, and it became a repercussive testimony that God was moving, and God loved this lady, and God was helping her out, and God lifted her spirit. So I, that's, that's from last week. So we could be led by the Holy Spirit. We can, he, my sheep know my voice. He's the good shepherd. The Holy Spirit always and only guides us into all the truth. That's why I could go to a meeting and I could discern, no matter who it is, no matter what they're saying, we can judge. You should judge what I'm teaching. You should judge Scripture with Scripture, and you make sure. And especially now in the advent of cell phone technology and the Internet and now all the platforms and now the algorithms and all the stuff that's going on, that you, 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 you look at something and then it, the algorithms read what your inclinations are and then they start taking you to various rabbit holes. And, 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 it, and, and it could be really good or it could be not so good. It doesn't say those who are led by the algorithms on the computer are the sons of God. It says getting back to the beautiful, ancient, and yet present joy that the Holy Spirit is all about perfect timing He's all about attention to detail. I was talking with uh, this couple who know my family, and they leaned over, and they're so happy about Chelsea and getting, having a, this boyfriend, and, and it, it's just perfect for both of them. You know, it's just, a, and they waited. They, 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 they trusted God, you know, and it's a testimony. And it's a, you know, we were praying about 
for them. We've prayed for all of our kids' mates from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, don't you love when you get breakthrough and answer prayer and good results? How many of you are in this for the long haul? I'm in this for the long haul, man. I talked to a pastor whose church is having its 30th anniversary today, and tomorrow is his birthday. And we've talked for decades about this season. We, we have anticipated this season, and we've been looking to the goal. We need to have the end in mind. And, um, and not only the natural end of the last breath of our human existence on earth, but to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And what we do spiritually is going to carry on into eternity, right? So I'm saying a lot right here. I'm unpacking a lot. But I've seen personal prophecy movement where people lined up and got things like, you're supposed to marry this person, you're supposed to go to this job, you're supposed to move to this city. I take issue with that. And, and sometimes there's gang leadership that gets involved with this, and I watch it, and it's like, whoa. Um, there's a, there's a, there needs to be biblical understanding of the way and the method God has chosen to lead us, and it's in Proverbs 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, 27 says it this way. It says, not the soul, not the body, but the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the innermost parts of his being. Say this with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Now, I've been preaching left-handed, so I need to come over here because I've been totally ignoring you guys. Sorry about that. I love you all. You all good over here? I guess you're more spiritually in tune and you didn't need all that talk, but somebody needed that because, you know, you get a personal prophecy. Look, I've got a notebook of prophecies that came to me from people that I really, you got to know those who are speaking. You, you know, you don't, you just somebody coming out of nowhere, it's like, well, let me test this. If it's right on, it's right on. But if it's not, you're not required to take hold of that. Don't let it vex you. Don't let it steer you, right? I'm pastoring you right now. I hope this helps you. I mean, there are people I wish were here today that I, don't, I know don't have ears to hear. And I'm just watching. I'm praying for them. But man, it's like, the, this will protect you from con artists. I've seen them in the church. I knew a pastor who got lied to by a guy who was so slick. And he, and he lied to him, and the guy believed it. And then it was exposed that he was a, a compulsive liar. It was all a story. And I mean, man, it, it, you could just, I, I just, it'd be better to get things earlier in the game, Right? And, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to have to learn everything the hard way. Did you know that? He, he doesn't want us to beat our head against the wall. And, and we will learn from that. But better that we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. In fact, listen to what it says here in 1 Timothy 4. It says in the last part of, it says, don't get involved with worldly fables. It says, but uh, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of of godliness. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now, this is an interesting statement. Verse 8 says, for bodily discipline is only of little profit. Now, some people hear this and say, well, I don't need to exercise. This is an excuse. It's just not that profitable, so I'm going to just eat Doritos and dip, and I'm going to watch TV. No, this is not a couch potato verse. What it is is bodily discipline in this time period, the Romans and the Greeks 
and the Jewish people, they were lean. They had low body fat. They walked everywhere. There was, they, they, life was exercise. They were not a sedentary society. They were not a leisure-oriented society. These guys were fit, man. Jesus would walk sometimes 30 miles, you know. So bo- bodily discipline was a big deal in the, in the ancient uh, mentality. So they... This wasn't being downplayed. It was just being contrasted that it's not that, that it's good and it has a profit. But let me tell you, godliness and learning about the Holy Spirit and getting the Word in you and developing and training and crucifying your flesh and getting your mind renewed and 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 walking and fortifying and and filling up your spirit is profitable for all things. It since it holds promise for the present life. And also for the life to come. Come on. Praying in the Spirit is enriching. It's, it's uh, beneficial in the most practical ways. Like that, the business owner couple that had this development in their spirit and they learned the nuances and the promptings of the Spirit. It wasn't just leaning on their own understanding. They weren't just doing a handout charity thing, feeling sorry for their neighbor on a sympathy basis. Human sympathy and God empathy are totally different. Compassion is different than sympathy. Now, Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses, so there's a healthy awareness of his, his love. But let me tell you, human sympathy can get us over in hero stuff and get us out in making bad choices. We need to be led by the Spirit. We need to know what... I mean, I broke up a fight at a Steak and Shake restaurant. Guy broke a chair over me. I didn't get hurt. God delivered me. But the next time I saw a fight and I felt like manning up and going and doing it again, the Lord said, step away, don't do it. David fought with the Philistines and he confronted them and he won the battle. Then he said, God, you want me to go face off with them again? He says, no, go around and listen to the sound in the, in the, in the uh, balsam trees. And when it sounds like marching, then do this. David teaches us that in the Old Testament even, don't, base, don't do everything out of what your history or heroics or apprehension or, 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 or uh, opportunity or what people tell you. Um, we need to learn to listen to God. And even in that Old Testament context, David who yearned, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. He yearned for the new creation that we now have. Heaven is looking at us going, you guys, you are so blessed. You're on this side of the the resurrection. You're on this side of the day of Pentecost. You're on this side of the written scriptures. You're on this side of church history. You are the end time people. And and, and we cheer you on. Man, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you're not under the law. The spirit and the flesh set themselves against each other. We know that. And so we got to crucify our flesh and I believe if we feed our spirit, it will gain the ascendancy and we'll grow in him. And we pray he sanctifies us entirely. And our whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the day of Jesus Christ, right? And we go to the word. In fact, listen, it says, it says uh, here are four things I want to get over to you. I'm, I'm, I've got to get this done because we've got Christmas production at 7 o'clock. So I've got until then. Okay, number one, <laughs> listen, training your human spirit. Uh, let, me, let me bring this to you uh, so that you get this uh, four points. Number one, one of the ways we retrain, we, we develop our human spirit is, by, number one, by meditation in the word. By meditation. I'm not talking about Maharishi meditation. I'm talking about pondering, studying, reading, going over the scriptures, 
staying in the word, looking and seeing. And, and in fact, Psalm 1 says we're, that we're blessed if we meditate on the word day and night. Joshua 1.8 says it so beautifully. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like to figure something out that would make your way prosperous and give you success? Success in your marriage. Success in your career. Success in your relationships. Success in your comings and goings and your interaction with people. How many of you would like to see prosperity and success in your life? Unapologetically, we say amen. God delights in the prosperity of his people. There's nothing wrong with that. It can become selfish, but, but we're loving the creator and we're loving him, but we're also part of that as we know that he delights in the prosperity of his people. He, I mean, he proved his love for us in sending his only son, right? We're dear to him apparently, right? So meditating on his word, then that helps us, number two, to, to be a doer of the word. He says, remember, even embedded in that verse, meditate in his word day and night, that you be careful to do all that is written in it. So number two, if you want to train your human spirit, practice, we train it by practicing the word. Practicing, we, we, we do it. We, we take what, if the Bible says pray, we pray. In fact, it says in Philippians 4, 8, that we're to set our minds on what is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, and worthy of praise. We're to think on these things. It also says in verse 6, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. We pray for our adult kids. We pray for our little kids. We pray for our grandkids, right? We pray for the president, whether we voted for him or not. We pray for those in authority over us, whether we voted for him or not. We pray for all the people around us, for the lost to be saved, for a revival to hit the church, for a harvest amongst the lost, for laborers to go out right. And we keep believing God, and we do what, the, if the word says forgive people, we forgive people. We don't bear ill will. If the word says to, to walk in love, then we spend a lifetime crucifying our flesh and being quick to repent, quick to ask forgiveness, and we stay tender before the Lord. Can I hear an amen? There's a big dividend on the other side of this stuff. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, meaning keep saying it. Keep saying, I am what the word says I am. I'm a new creature in Christ. The Deuteronomy 28 says, I'm the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I like that one. Uh, I like Psalm 105, uh, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits, pardons all of our iniquities, heals, I'm for pardoned of all my iniquities. When I receive communion, you forgive all my sins, you heal all my diseases, you push the reset button on my life over and over and over again. Thank you, Jesus. You make all things new. You make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, right? Come on, third service, I can hear an amen. Come on, this is good preaching. And I, uh, amen means so be it to me. So I want you to get that. I'm not, I don't need to be coaxed, but let me tell you number three. Well, I'll, I'll just say this. James 1.22 says, don't just be hearers only, deluding yourselves. James 1.22 says, uh, but prove yourselves to be doers of the word. Doer in the Greek is the Greek word poetis. That's where we get the word poet or poetry. The Lord wants his followers to be so 
integrated with his word that it becomes our message, it becomes our meditation, it becomes our preoccupation. And in fact, I, I think that number three, we need to give first place to the word. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says it's so great. We, we first of all meditate on the word. This is how you develop your spirit. Then you practice the word, you, what you meditate on, you do it. And then you give high priority first place to the word. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart your sight, but keep them in the midst of your heart. Look at this. Their life to those who find them and health to all their body. You know, I did a wedding for a girl and her uh, fiance just a few weeks ago. And I was at the hospital years ago. She was one and a half and she was dying of a, a flesh-eating bacteria in her body that it was going around in different places and different parts of the country and she had a bad case of it she was losing tissue at a fast rate uh, and it was really really serious and uh, I remember being at the hospital quite a bit in that case and I was there and a doctor just in, with very very sad bedside manner just basically said to the mom and dad uh, you just need to prepare your daughter's gonna die today and um, you know it was I was near there and it was stunning and I just thought that it just I mean I appreciate medical science I appreciate doctors very much we had a doctor in the last service I love doctors I, I go to a doctor I appreciate medicine I you know I, I take the benefits of it but there came a point where she that science and and that natural understanding had its perspective i said well now that's what the doctor says now let's see what god's word says so we went into the waiting room turned the tv down nobody was in there so we turned the tv down we sat down on the couch the mom and dad were shivering they were shivering with the fright of that that late doctor was later corrected by the staff for the way it was handled it was poorly handled but I said, now let's see what the word says. We had to look at what, I just was on the phone last night with a family, a four-year-old with a acute encephalitis. It's like, yes, but what does the word say? We're not in denial about this. Let's figure out what this mountain is. That God's word is medicine to all our flesh. There's help for our marriage. There's help for our finances. There's help for our church. There's help going through a global pandemic. There's help for our country. There's help for society, right? And I'm not ambiguous about this. There are all kinds of things we could get caught up in right now. But I'll tell you the main thing is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. That's a Matthew 6:33 dynamic. That's the cure for anxiety. That's the cure for distortion. We get in God's word and meditate on it. It's gonna bring clarity to us, the truth, the honesty, the just, right, pure, lovely things that God has for us. It will, will be doers, then we commit to practice what the word says, and then we're not just hearers only, but we're doers of the word, right? Then we give first place priority to the word. And then lastly, number four, the way we can develop our human spirit is by instantly obeying the subtle promptings of the spirit. When we put God's word first place in our lives through reading and acting on it, then our spirit becomes an authoritative guide, right? 
we say, I know the master's voice. I'm following Jesus. Sensitize me, Lord, to discern between good and evil. Help me to not be misled. Help me to hear from heaven, right? In fact, bow your heads with me just for a moment. If you're not a Christian, you're not saved, today's your day of salvation, you should get saved today. If you have drifted, you need to return to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Just devote and say, God, here I am. I'm coming back. I'm repenting and I'm coming back. If you're here today and you say, man, I need a major breakthrough in my life. God, we, we sang about this is a house of miracles. I need a miracle right now. Then let's believe and receive it right now. I pray depression lifts off of you. I pray if you've been offset or torqued, I pray you'd be, you'd be false prophecy proof. <laughs> you would not be easily flattered. The tongue of the flatterer will be cut off. And I bind the devil utilizing flatterers in today's world. It's pre-revival right now. We're, on, we're in a revival, but these are the pre-stages of it. And the flatterers come out of the, out of the woodwork to draw attention to themselves they have a fixation for this and I come against that off the church and off the kingdom and out of our country and off of this nation and the other nations and I pray God you will move you planted me in Chesterfield you spoke to me 1977 and I am believing God your purposes are coming to pass and I take issue with anything to the contrary and I come against any attack any hindrance any blockage